Greetings, my name is Mike Angel. I'm the rector of Holy Communion. And today we're in for a treat. We do a series at Holy Communion called The Forum. And it's a chance to engage in questions of life and spirituality and politics and what's going on in our world. Today we get to hear from the St. Patrick Center, from two leaders from the St. Patrick Center. St. Patrick Center partners with us on our house on Gannon Street. If you've been around the church for a while, you might have been one of the volunteers that helped us renovate the property the church owns on Gannon, make a house livable. And we did that with the hope of being involved in uh, questions of justice and housing in our area. We partnered at first with a nonprofit called Magdalene House. And then a little over a year ago, uh, through the hard work of our treasurer, Brian Barnhart, began a partnership with the St. Patrick Center to house someone who had experienced homelessness in the house on Gannon. So we're really delighted to welcome a couple of leaders from St. Patrick Center to the forum today uh, to talk with us a little bit about the state of homelessness in our area. Thanks for joining us for the forum. Recording. All right. Well, Good morning, um, everyone. First, I want to say uh, thank you for inviting uh, St. Patrick Center to uh, present to you on uh, our different programs and what's going on in our community and what's going on during COVID within our community in the state of homelessness uh, in St. Louis. Uh, again, thank you, Brian Barnhart and the congregation um, at Holy Communion. Um, this is a, a really cool thing you've asked us to do. But first, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jonathan Belcher. I'm one of the senior director of programs. Um, and I oversee our long-term transformation programs at St. Patrick Center. And I've been with St. Patrick Center for over 10 years and in my current role, uh, almost four years. Um, also on the call is Lana Watson. Hi, good morning. Um, I am also Senior Director of Programs and I oversee the short-term transition programs. Um, I've been with St. Patrick Center a little over 10 years as well. And I've been in this current role for four years. Uh, St. Patrick Center uh, was first founded in 1983 by Edith Cunane, and it is the largest independent homeless service provider uh, in Missouri. And our mission statement is St. Patrick Center provides opportunities for self-sufficiency and dignity to people who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. Individuals and families build permanent positive change in their lives through safe and affordable housing, sound mental and physical health and employment and financial stability. In all of our programs um, at St. Pat, all of our programs and our agency follow a philosophy called housing first, which means we do not require any, any preconditions or require any commitment prior to program ent entry. This allows us to meet our clients where they are and work on their goals as they see fit. This also allows us to lower barriers to housing. We do not require sobriety, mental health stabilization, or a commitment to working with case management. Um, and we went to this philosophy probably about, I would say four to five years ago. And you know what it really has done for our community and our agency is we have swiftly housed individuals um, who really need to get into housing and then work on their goals um, towards either sobriety, employment, mental health. Um, it's been a really, really, uh, good way to serve those individuals who have been long-term chronically homeless uh, for a long time. And in order to get into our system and um, our services at St. Patrick Center, um, all the uh, agencies in St. Louis follow a system called coordinated entry, 
which is a community, uh, community-wide system that prioritizes individuals and families, families based on their vulnerability, length of homelessness, disability, and conditions for someone, for someone entering, I'm sorry, for someone either having housing instability or experiencing homelessness. If you are chronically homeless, meaning you have been homeless for more than a year or have five specific episodes in three years, uh, you will be prioritized sooner than you know anybody else and get into some and in, into some type of housing um, intervention. And our system really prioritizes individuals who have greater needs. Um, anyone experiencing homelessness can either can enter our collaborative system by calling our housing helpline 211, meet with an outreach worker, enter into a shelter, or come to St. Patrick Center. And when someone enters our system, we may try to prioritize their need and help them right then and there. Um, but as you can imagine, the need is greater than the available resources. And we really do try to make some level, uh, make sure that someone has you know, their needs met. May it be us getting them groceries or you know, giving a call to the landlord or a family member to try to get them back into housing. Um, you know, sometimes we've been able to assist individuals who have just one episode of homelessness by calling you know, their, their family member, paying a utility bill, trying to do something um, so that they don't have to spend the, uh, the night out on the street or in a shelter. So when I talk about the community or community COC wide system, it really kind of breaks down into three different uh, kind of pots or buckets of where someone can be referred to. One is prevention, which is gonna be the lowest acuity score. And when I talk about acuity score, um, we use what is called a VI SPDAT, which is really just a vulnerable index assessment that uh, based on the higher needs you have, the higher acuity are, the kind of the worse off that you are within our within our system and the and the more need you have to get into something quicker. So the lower acuity score you're going to be scoring for more prevention services. So kind of talking about, you know, does someone need to uh, you know get a utility bill paid? Do we need to get some groceries? Do we, you know, pay a couple months back rent? You know, whatever we can do to make sure that individual does not enter the homelessness system or they can maintain or keep uh, their housing that they have right there. And then more medium acuity score is called rapid rehousing. And that's uh, an intervention for, which Lana will actually talk about a little bit more here in a little bit, but individuals who score for that need more of a, a shorter term intervention of typically 12 months or less. Um, that could be financial case management assistance, um, uh, but typically uh, means that you're gonna get some type of house or you're in need of some type of housing assistance through case management short-term short -term financial assistance. And then the highest acuity score, which someone would score for permanent supportive housing. And permanent supportive housing is a housing and case management intervention that pairs the individual or family with a housing voucher or subsidy payment and case management. Most permanent supportive housing programs require that individuals or families be chronically homeless and have a disability. There are some programs that do not require to be chronically homeless and have different requirements. For example, St. Patrick Center has a program called Project Protect that works with families that are homeless and have children in DFS custody or at risk of being taken into DFS custody. So for that program, you don't have to be chronically homeless, but you do have to have a disability and have children in DFS custody or at risk. And there's other programs that are permanent supportive housing programs in our community that do not require chronically homeless, but typically, um, our housing urban development um, a government agency 
um, uh, tailored a lot of the permanent supportive housing program to work with those who are chronically homeless so that we can make sure that they get off the streets sooner and have their needs met. What is unique about permanent supportive housing programs is that the lease and subsidy payment, uh, the programs require that the landlord enter into a lease agreement with the agency and the agency subleases to the client. Uh, this allows us to swiftly move clients through our system and get them housed same day if need be. Uh, the great thing about this uh, subsidy is that the agency pays the landlord 100% of the rent and in some cases can pay all the utilities as well. Another permanent supportive housing program, which is the longest running permanent supportive housing program at St. Patrick Center, is called Shelter Plus Care. And it is different from the program I described above. Uh, first, case management is not required. Uh, and the difference um, in the uh, lease structure is that the lease is in the client's name and the subsidy payment is based on the client's income and their debts. Someone will typically pay 30% of their income towards their rent, and that goes directly to the landlord. And uh, the, uh, 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 the client also pays, 30, pays that 30%, again, pays that 30% of their income towards the landlord, and the other 70% comes from the, uh, uh, comes from St. Patrick Center or the, uh, or the uh, service provider that has the uh, Shelter Plus Care subsidy. Uh, right, and then Lana's gonna talk about rapid rehousing, um, our grant for DM programs, and our relationship with the uh, Gannon House. So as John mentioned earlier, uh, rapid rehousing is a short-term rental assistance, um, generally for those who are more self-sufficient and do not have as high needs as permanent supportive housing clients. Um, the national average in rapid rehousing programs is for an organization to pay about six months of rent per household. However, if the household needs more assistance, uh, that rent can last up to two years if uh, they need it and if funding is available for that long. Um, in this program, the client does have the lease in their name. And so uh, St. Patrick's Center is just helping them to pay their rent. Often in rapid rehousing, we do kind of like what we call a step-down program where initially uh, to get someone into a place, we might pay their security deposit and their first month's rent. And for the first month or two, we might help them uh, pay their full rent, but then we gradually decrease the amount of rent and assistance that we give to them so that when they're no longer in our program, they are able to pay all of their bills on their own and remain stably housed. We also use wraparound services um, to attempt to assist them with whatever needs they might need, um, whether it's getting into counseling, getting health needs met that they might have, uh, additional income, or you know, just the list can go on and on. Um, but we try to empower our clients and allow the clients to use self-determination to make choices that's going to affect their lives for the long term. And then for our grant per diem programs, these are programs that are um, for veterans and it's a short-term transitional program um, which veteran, homeless veterans can go into. These are primarily designed for veterans who have mental health issues and or substance use issues. So it's a clinical setting uh, which allows them to go to groups and to get intensive case management when necessary. Um, 
typically in they can stay up to about two years uh, however we are trying to transition them into permanent housing a little quicker than that if possible um, we currently have one that has 50 units in it and then we have two brand new transit uh, gpd programs which are starting and one is called tip which stands for transition in place we will have 20 units there and in that it basically works just like a rapid rehousing program of sorts um, in that we will assist the client with paying rent but then it will transition into them paying their own rent and they will stay in that exact same unit uh, that they were living in and then we also have what they call bridge beds and that is for veterans who have some type of rental subsidy it may be uh, Section 8, or it might be a HUD VASH voucher, which is basically Section 8 for veterans, um, or some other kind of subsidy uh, to move into an apartment and not have to pay as much rent. And so this, the bridge bed is just short term, maybe two, three months for a veteran to get off the streets until they move into their permanent housing situation. We also have a workforce development program at St. Patrick's Center, and that program is used to assist clients in obtaining income if they have no income or in sustaining more, um, <clears throat> excuse me, more reliable income um, if they just have like part-time work or something that is not enough for them to pay their bills. We work through many barriers that they have to staying employed and becoming employed uh, in order to assist them with becoming successful in the employment world and we use a, a best practice which is called supportive employment which is basically just kind of um, holding their hand and, and walking them through the process and even following up with an employer if necessary at times to make sure that they are um, doing what they need to do while they're employed and um, then I also want to talk about uh, the Gannon House. We're so grateful for your partnership that you entered into with us last summer, uh, allowing us to rent the house from you and put our clients into. As some of you may know, we had a client and his son who was there um, starting last summer and they just recently moved out. Um, the family's doing well. They have now been exited out of our program because they are stably housed. Uh, he's still working and um, the family altogether is doing really well. And then a couple of weeks ago, we moved in another family. It was a woman with uh, four small children. And I know that um, she will benefit from being a part of this because of the support and the encouragement that um, all of you provide to those individuals who are staying in your, in your house. And so again, we just really thank you for that partnership and um, for the opportunity to partner with you in that way. All right, uh, thanks, Lana. Uh, another bucket of programs that we have at St. Patrick's Center are called the Behavioral Health Programs. Um, and the first longest, run, longest running program we have at St. Patrick's Center is called our Shamrock Club. And it's a, a drop-in center for individuals who are homeless or experiencing who are experiencing homeless or housing insecure. Um, it, is a, it is also a licensed substance use and mental health out, outpatient treatment program. Um, 
in uh, primarily services we have are we have groups we have individual counseling we have substance use mental health groups counseling we also have trauma focused uh services um that are also that also uh, come with individual counseling group counseling and then we also have a uh, psychiatrist um, for those uh, very part part-time psychiatrists for those individuals who um, are not connected to uh, a, com a community mental health center or other psychiatry within our community. Uh, the biggest thing about our Shamrock Club is that sobriety is not required. We don't require that somebody is sober when they walk in the building um, or they even come up. Now granted, if somebody is at the point where they are unable to uh, maintain themselves or, uh, or call causing an issue or disturbance, we're gonna ask them to leave and come back tomorrow. Biggest thing again is that we don't require sobriety before someone walks within our door. <clears throat> um, we also do have some clients um, who have been housed uh, using our Shamrock services and they continue to come back for years for aftercare services. So uh, they utilize that program time and time and over and over again to make sure that they maintain their sobriety after they utilize uh, those supports. And some of the staff that we have working in Shamrock have been there 10, 15 years. So they really have gotten to know uh, the clients who started off as homeless, went through the program, got housed, and they continue to come back because of the relationship that they have with our staff and the services that we provide. And one of the great things that we're able to, we're able to provide to our community is called the casserole program, where we serve lunch every day to anybody who needs it. We only there's only one day a year that we don't serve lunch, and that's the day that our entire agency has our annual staff day away, where and we get together, we, uh, we team build, we do some other things. But other than that, we are open 364 days a year. We serve during Thanksgiving, Christmas, any days that we're off, we're serving lunch to the community of anyone who, who needs it. You know, we've had uh, individuals who are <laughs> working at the, uh, um, uh, just across the street at the education building uh, who come in for lunch just because they like it. And of course, individuals who really need uh, to, something to eat, they come in as well. And, uh, the casseroles and the portions that we serve are really designed that if that's one thing that someone has to eat that day, that that's going to be enough calories that's going to help them, you know, sustain, you know, their energy and um, their nutrition for that day. So obviously, um, with COVID, this is during COVID, this has changed a little bit with our services and serving lunch. Uh, we did have to shut down serving lunch. We have a, a, a kind of a, um, a lunch room school setting with uh, those lunch tables and everything for people to come in. We're able to serve about 250 people uh, through a steady flow of individuals coming in, but we had to stop that during COVID uh, because of the risk to ourselves and the risk to clients who are coming up and eating, eating uh, casseroles every single day. So what we did is we actually developed kind of a shuffleboard. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, where we're able to actually shuffle the lunches down a table where, in, where individuals who are six feet apart can come up, grab the lunch, and then go eat. We started off just serving sack lunches, um, and we decided to um, buy to-go containers, and we started serving hot lunches a couple months ago, um, and it's been really, um, uh, been really uh, open, and the clients have really enjoyed actually getting the hot lunches again. Um, but again, that's one of our longest term running uh, programs and we are gonna continue to do it where we're serving lunch outside just as we see cases go up and as a safety precaution to you know, our, staff, our staff at St. Patrick's Center and our clients in the community. 
Um, another program under behavioral health is called assertive community treatment. And uh, we serve individuals who are housing insecure and have two or more inpatient psychiatric admissions within a year. Um, those in, the individuals in this program suffer from a severe and persistent mental illness and need daily support by dropping off medications, taking someone to the grocery store, helping them do side-by-side -side cleaning, meaning you know we're you know helping them sweep up, clean dishes, um, tidy their apartments, you know, teaching them how to do that. Uh, one of the vital services we provide is taking is uh, taking clients to the doctor or go see our psychiatrist who's located at St. Patrick's Center and actually on the team and um, getting them connected to community or natural supports. Um, this is our, uh, and one of the easiest way to categorize this program is really it is an inpatient psychiatric ward within the community. It's highly successful and empowering program for our clients and it's, uh, we've, we've, some of the clients we have served in this program have been a part of it for almost 10 years and maintain, maintain housing, maintain you know, their, uh, their mental health awareness. And um, this program was really set up as a response to deinstitutionalization um, within our community. So individuals who you, know, you would see on the street that are you know, long-term chronic homeless, don't take medication, this program was really set up to serve those individuals. And over time, um, every individual that we serve, that we have in the program now is housed. Um, so again, extremely successful program within our community. And then another program we have at St. Patrick Center, one of our newest and one of our most successful, one of our more successful, is called Hospital to Housing. Um, and this has been an innovative partnership with BJC, the big barns off King's Highway. And what we do there is we're working with the highest utilizers in the emergency department who are experiencing homelessness or housing insecure and have a substance use or mental health issue. And individuals in, and individuals in this program, um, to qualify when I say the highest utilizers of the ED, it's anybody who's had 10 or more emergency, emergency department visits within, um, within six months. One of the individuals we served in this program, I think had over 80 ED visits within six months. So extremely costly to the hospitals and our, and our community resources. So what we do is we immediately place referrals that came from the uh, emergency department into housing and provided daily, weekly services around getting someone a primary care physician, getting them into psychiatry, and working on some really very basic needs such as getting someone food stamps or getting them food in the apartment and and or getting them you know, connected to Medicaid, getting a state ID, just some real basic services. Um, other services we provide are very similar to what assertive community treatment does. So daily medication drops, side-by-side -side cleaning, and helping our clients become good neighbors um, within the community. Our early impact data shows that we reduced the cost of the hospital by $230,000, representing an annual savings of $300,000 in $81,000 or 71% uh, to the hospital. Financial data, I mean, that, the cost savings is extremely impactful to um, the entire community that we're in, not only the hospital, but the biggest impact I would say is on the clients that we are serving. Um, getting them connected in the housing and the supports that they need to make sure that whatever they're going to the ED for, and it could be simple as wanting to sit there for a shelter, you know, they couldn't get in the shelter or, you know, they needed a place just to go sit to get out of the elements. 
So, so far we have served over 20 clients and secured five housing placements in the early, uh, in the early services we provided this program. A part of our hospital uh, programming is our Hospital to Housing Healthy Initiative and Network. I'm sorry, our Hospital to, Ho hospital to Healthy Housing Initiative and Network. Where right now we, um, we, have a, we have a homeless navigator, homeless housing navigator, and this is a six month pilot partnership with SSM Health SLU Hospital. We provide an on-site homelessness coordinator to connect patients who are homeless with coordinated entry services and community resources before their discharges from the hospital. And we have just been awarded a grant to expand this work within our Healthy to Housing Network and also our H2H programming. Um, we've expanded to work with Mercy, um, SSM, and BJC area hospitals. So we won't just be working with SSM SLU uh, we'll, and BJC, big BJC off Kings Highway. We'll be working with the other hospitals as well for any individual who is um, needing those housing connections, resources, and, pro and we'll pro provide those housing programming to the highest utilizers of those who are in need of housing resources. And uh, Lana's gonna talk about St. Patrick Center's response to COVID. So I'll start off by telling you a little bit about how we've transitioned our work. Um, first of all, when COVID started back in March, we were told by the city of St. Louis that we were essential workers because of the population that we serve and the vulner vulnerabilities that they have, um, not, not only just in general, but with the additional um, issue of COVID and living on the streets and being more susceptible. So um, we have been on the front lines the entire time um, since COVID hit. Uh, the only exception to that was um, back in April, we had two staff who contracted COVID and there had been a lot of exposure to those two individuals. And so we had uh, over 20 some individuals who had to quarantine all at the same time. And so for that reason, we closed our building down for two weeks, allowing everyone to quarantine who needed to. And then after that, we opened back up um, every day. And when we did open back up, we went to um, half of the staff working in the building at one time while the other half worked remotely. And, um, you know, working remotely depended upon what their job description was. For many frontline staff, case managers, it meant um, calling their clients and finding out what their needs were via phone or. Um, FaceTiming with them or different things like that as opposed to meeting them in person and dropping off food on their front porch um, if they needed food. We did different things like that um, while we were working remotely in order to still ensure that our clients' needs were met. Um, however, for the last few months, we've been in what St. Patrick's Center is calling our phase two, and that has meant that all of our frontline workers have been working on a daily basis in the office, um, still doing home visits with clients and different things like that to ensure that we are meeting our clients' needs. Um, now, folks who do not work on the front lines who might have administrative positions or secretarial type positions, they have not been coming in on a daily basis. They might just come in a few days a week and so we also are planning for the week after Thanksgiving and the week after Christmas that we will only ha have half of our frontline staff uh, in the building. 
sorry. Um, so that we can minimize exposure uh, to clients and to other staff who might have um, gotten exposure during the holidays. Um, and during this time from March 8th to October the 10th, we served over 1,800 clients and provided uh, over 32,043 services to clients. So you can see through that, that we did still um, stay open and meet our clients' needs. We had to be creative <laughs> and um, we had to do a lot of different things that, um, you know, we weren't used to doing, but I have to say that our staff came together and we um, really followed the mission of St. Patrick's Center to ensure that we are helping our clients, we're giving them a hand up and um, really helping them to get through this difficult time. And uh, I think John now is going to talk to you a little bit about um, how the city of St. Louis has responded to COVID and the homeless population. So thanks, Lana. <clears throat> so the, uh, the city really responded pretty quickly um, to COVID by one, um, well, let me take a step back. So when COVID happened, one of the things that uh, we saw shelters doing, and even internally, we, I haven't talked about it yet, but we have our own shelter at St. Patrick's Center, is that if there was a, a congregate setting where you have you know, individuals in one room, beds next to each other, some, some had bunk beds, that we really had to think about like, how are we going to make sure that people are safe in a congregate setting? So a lot of shelters really started thinning out so where they could say they're six feet apart, you know, there's a bunk bed, there's only one person in it, and then they're six feet apart. So as you can imagine, this really reduced the amount of shelter beds that the city of St. Louis had. So what the city did is they responded very quickly by setting up additional shelters, um, for um, individuals so that we can one, make sure that we are uh, allowing people to be in a safe setting where they're able to uh, 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 be six feet apart or have individual rooms. Um, and St. Patrick Center was a part of that response. So we partnered with City of St. Louis um, and also uh, Sisters Mission, which is formerly Little Sisters of the Poor, just off North New, sorry, not North Newstead, but North Florissant. Um, where we contracted three floors, the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth floor. The sixth floor was uh, set up for our Women's Night program, which was um, at St. Patrick's Center when the pandemic first started, um, where we actually had 20 women in a congregate setting in, a, in our group room in our Shamrock Club. Um, we realized very quickly that that wouldn't work, so the city allowed us to move that program over to Sisters Mission, where we had 17 individual rooms uh, for our women. Um, so individual rooms, individual showers, um, you know, just have a, they have a space on their own where they can, you know, they, they uh, can uh, obviously be six feet apart and they have their own spot uh, to live. So that's on the sixth floor at the, at the Sisters Mission. And then the seventh floor is also another floor of, uh, of another floor for women um, who, need, uh, who need shelter as well. And then the eighth floor was set up uh, for men. So, um, we actually, uh, even though that we contracted with the city to run that, we uh, subcontracted with a group called the Homecrest Group, um, who were gonna provide the shelter services and oversee that floor. Um, so far, we have, I don't have the number off the top of my head right now, but we have served probably over 100 people between the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth floor. 
And also uh, another aspect of what uh, the sisters mission floors were set up for, for anybody who was more medically frail, who um, needed an individual room or and needed swiftly off the street and needed a shelter bed, that's what those uh, rooms were set up for. Uh, as we move into the uh, fall and into the winter season, um, those rooms are gonna be extremely important to make sure that we can, uh, one, make sure no one spends a night out on the street, but anybody who's medically frail and needs an individual room, that those rooms are available. Uh, we will be doubling up a few of those rooms so that we can increase our census and get more people off the street, but um, they're, they're big rooms and we're able to uh, do it safely. Um, another really great thing that kind of came out of uh, at least the shelter system is the uh, infectious disease uh, control team. Um, we have had weekly um, technical assistance calls with the infectious disease team in the city of St. Louis. So we've had calls with the infectious disease doctors on a weekly basis to kind of help us get, help, help us problem solve, get through any issues that we see. But also I think the most important thing uh, that, we've, that we've gotten from this cause is really that we have, you know, on time, quick knowledge about what we really need to do to make sure that we are reacting to COVID appropriately and responsibly. So having that, in, that up-to-date information of, you know, uh, wearing a mask, maintaining six feet, you know, uh, what's the best practices to make sure that the staff are safe or that our clients are safe. So um, having that a part of our community and having us available to talk to those doctors on a weekly basis has been extremely important for not only our agency, but for the community to be responsive quickly and to make sure that we are doing the best thing to safely serve our clients and to make sure our staff are safe. Now the state of homelessness during COVID and right now um, is, uh, it's not obviously great and we are in need of more shelter. We are in need of more services and we are definitely in need of more funding as um, we expect our services will, or, or the service need will increase. There are still homelessness encampments up around St. Louis. Um, and uh, uh, what I've been, what we know is that uh, they're not going to disband those encampments, so no one will be displaced or, you know, uh, uh, as we don't have the shelter available for everybody that, you know, there is, at least we know people are in a safe place and that we know where we can bring services to them in case they need it. You know, for example, we have, um, we have a park right outside of St. Patrick's Center in between the new square building and St. Patrick's Center where we had an encampment uh, for a while that we had to disband because of just, uh, uh, you know, for safety reasons. And we were able to get, I would say, over 75% of the individuals in that small encampment into shelter within the day or within a day or two. So um, uh, that was a really good response to, you know, making sure that we could make, you know, get clients quickly into shelter. But obviously, for the rest of the encampments and for individuals who are becoming homeless or experiencing homelessness, we are still in need of more shelter. Um, a couple of cool things that have just kind of came up within the past. Uh, couple weeks and past couple months is that there are 50 uh, small houses being built for veterans um, in North St. Louis and then also uh, 50 very small uh, I guess we'll call them rooms um, are being built for uh, individuals who are experiencing homelessness as well so that we that's so that the community can make sure that they are um, you know one off the street are in a place where there's heat there's shelter there's a roof there's restrooms there's showers um, 
there's food and that um, individuals are not in more of a, you know, a very small space that they're able to kind of move around and, um, you know, be safe that way. There's a whole lot more, but I think we're kind of getting running out of time right now. So uh, Lana's going to talk a little bit more about um, some things that will be happening after December. Um, and then uh, we'll kind of, uh, uh, we'll go through our closing. So as John mentioned, um, with COVID and the CARES Act funding, we have had a lot of additional um, funding and programs that have started or are about to start as a result of that funding. Uh, we had prevention funding, which we used to assist individuals who had been affected by COVID and maybe were unable to pay their rent or um, their utilities, different things like that. We have used all of that um, prevention funding, except we still have some for folks who are in the county, in St. Louis County, and uh, we can use that for that very same reason. We also were able to secure some funding to um, expand the Women's Night Program, which John talked about earlier. That's our women's shelter beds, and um, previously we had cots uh, that they slept on in a congregate setting, um, but with the new funding that we've received, we're able to actually build individual private rooms for the women's shelter. Um, so we're really excited about that. And there's also a new outreach program that will be starting up in December. It's a community-wide outreach program led by St. Patrick's Center. And it is to provide 24-hour assistance to those who may be sleeping on the street. So for example, if a policeman uh, found someone sleeping on the street, uh, they could call the hotline number, contact one of our staff who is an outreach person who could go and work with that individual and try to get them into shelter instead of living on the street. And we also will be coordinating all of the other uh, entities within the community who do homeless outreach as well so that we try to have an integrated um, approach to meeting the needs of those uh, who are on the street and getting them into housing. There are also two new rapid rehousing programs that will be beginning uh, in January, and uh, they fall under the same um, rules and regulations that I described to you earlier. Uh, one program will be reaching at least 40 households, and then the other program, I think, has a goal of 25 households um, in that. One of the things that happened as a result of COVID too is that there was an eviction moratorium placed on landlords um, so that they could not evict um, tenants during this time period. That moratorium has been extended until December the 31st. Um, and so we as service providers are a little concerned about what's going to happen in the new year as um, landlords are able to take their tenants to court and start the eviction process. As I stated earlier, the money that we had for that um, ended very quickly. We're in hopes that we will be able to secure more prevention funding to help individuals who find themselves in that situation come January. Um, however, we're, we're just not sure at this point how much funding that we will have at that time. So we definitely see that as an oncoming need. Um, in the new year. And we also know that, you know, there will continue to be individuals who are on the street that will need to be placed into housing uh, in the new year as well. 
And John, is there anything at this point that I am leaving out? No, I, Atlanta, I did leave something out that I was just thinking about. Um, okay. The city of St. Louis um, and our COC and other providers are, are working together on a housing surge. Um, so we are trying to house 100 homeless individuals in a within 100 days. And uh, that will be starting either in the middle of December or if not the beginning of the new year. Um, but, you know, within the CARES Act funding um, and, you know, part of the program that programming that Lana was just talking about with rapid rehousing, um, we are going to try to, again, um, serve 100, we're trying to house 100 individuals uh, within 100 days. So that's another uh, response that the city of St. Louis, our COC and other housing providers are uh, trying to do quickly so that um, we can get individuals off the street and into housing. Okay. We truly appreciate the partnership with all of you at Holy Communion and um, and the desire that you as a church have to help those less fortunate individuals and families who need a hand up to get back on their feet. Um, it just really warms our heart to, to see that. And we also want to let you know that if you would like more information, that you can peruse our website at www.stpatrickcenter.org. And then John and I look forward to answering any questions that you might have for us on the 6th of December. So thanks again. Thank you for this opportunity and stay safe. Thank you. Bye.